by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope to people that were caught in the devastation of addiction or overrun by emotions in this series. Learn how to identify feelings, what motivates actions, and find biblically-based solutions to manage emotions. Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom 15 years ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom. For those you love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program today. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. Susan, as we continue our series on emotions and things that are connected with emotions, what will we talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about stress. Stress. You ever been stressed out? I get stressed out sometimes. She was stressed out on the way down here today. Big time stress. I was just tired. So I, maybe she that was, was stressing me out. <laughs> you spell tired. How do you spell tired? S T R E S S. Yes. Okay. Okay. Would you open the program today with prayer, please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have given us emotions, and that um, without it, our lives would be dull. But we also pray that you will help us to manage them appropriately and to be able to to um, control our 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 emotions so that um, we get the best out of life and that we're not burdened by by those emotions. And so we're, we pray that you will help us to explore the causes of stress and the solutions as well. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, John D. Rockefeller, uh, he died in 1937, but uh, he provided an a- example of how to survive stress. Um, you know, he was very wealthy. By, 19, by 1879, his company, Standard Oil, handled about 90% of the refining in the United States. By age 50, he was the richest man alive. But in 1891, he had a nervous breakdown and was near death. However, he recovered from his illness in just a few months. How? Well, apart from a simple diet, rest, and exercise, he decided to give away his fortune and spent the remaining 40 years of his life as a philanthropist. Early in the 20th century, his personal fortune had peaked at nearly $900 million. At the time of his death, his estate was valued at $26 million. His donations did a lot of good in the world. And as for himself, he extended his life by nearly another 50 years living in contentment to the age of 97. That's an amazing story. Yes, it is. Stress touches everybody, demands at work, family crises, guilt, uncertainty about the future, dissatisfaction with the past. These are all hard enough. All this, along with the general events of life, can put enough pressure on people that it affects their physical and mental health. People use the word stress to describe a wide variety of situations maybe from your cell phone ringing while you're talking on another phone that you know that i i'm kind of that way i let uh, a lot of input stress me out if a bunch of inputs come into me at one time the switch goes off and yeah so hold it everything's got to stop me and susan's the opposite susan she can be reading a recipe talking on the phone got the mixer going over there going over to, to the to the refrigerator knows exactly what she's going to be getting and knows when to go down the hall and 
and change the put change, the, la- put, put the laundry in put the, the dryer. laundry yeah it's an it's an amazing thing to watch <laughs> and here i am if i'm on the phone and somebody's beeping in another call it's like i go blank i right. can't talk to the person and i and I, I can't switch over and tell them the whole it's bizarre how my mind works versus her so we stress out in 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 different ways right and stressful situations arise from feelings associated with intense work overload or the death of a loved one but perhaps the most useful and widely accepted definition of stress is this stress is a condition or feeling experienced when a person perceives that demands exceed the personal and social resources the individual is able to mobilize in less formal terms, we feel stressed when we feel that things are out of control. So you're like out of control. You got that one phone call. That's what yeah. you can handle. And when the other one comes in, you're it like, no more. It doesn't take much for things to spin out of control for me. And it's just for a little instance. And then, you know, you kind of gather yourself and say, okay, wait a minute. Don't, don't panic. Right. Our ability to cope with the demands upon us is key to our experience of stress. For example, starting a new job might be a real exciting experience if everything else is stable in your life if everything else is lined up uh, but if you start a new job when you've just moved into a house or your partner's ill or you're experiencing money problems you might find it very hard to cope so when is too much too much you know do you feel it coming on or does it just hit us right between the eyes or are you like me do you stress because you know you're going to be stressed I'll stress out because I know that something's coming up that is going to stress me out um, and so uh, you have like a pre-stress. I'm pre-stressed. St- yeah, pre-stressed, post-stressed, and stressed. Right. Yeah. So do you ask yourself this question ever, or do you analyze it? You know, I'm kind of funny like that. I like to analyze things. How much of it will it take to push me over the edge? Not all stressful events are, are equally hard to deal with. For example, compare the stress of divorce with that of just simply changing responsibilities at work. Right. So if, if you're stressed out and you wonder why, there is a way to give you a little reassurance that there are reasons for the way that you're feeling. Researchers Thomas Holmes and Richard Ra developed the Social Readjustment Rating Scale, which lists life events with corresponding stress values for each. Yeah. So what they did was they figured out what was the most stressful in the human condition, and then it went down the line. And they listed all these occurrences that happen to people or can happen to people and they put stress values on them numerically mm-hmm. and then when you get all done you add up your stress values and and you come up come with a conclusion on whether you should be really whacked out or whether you should be fine right and so they gave the values like a death of a spouse spouse is worth a hundred and then a divorce is 73 a marital separations up there pretty high at 65 uh, doing a jail term is 63 and you can see as they go down you know death of a close family mem- member would have a stress value of 63 and then you know a- as you go down um, wow marriage you, is is 50 st- marriage 50 is, points if you get marriage is that is that just getting married or marriage just as simply a whole? being okay. married is very stressful yes. yes uh if you get fired at work that's 47 and you go on down you know uh pregnancy is 40 and they go down lower and lower and lower and it's just to simple stuff like changing in the sleeping habits uh, would be worth 16 uh you know changing in eating habits worth 15 and minor violations of the law all the way down to 11. so you have these values that happen to you in on occurrences and so you add them up and and a person if you were to accumulate 200 or more points at any given time you run a 50 percent chance of becoming ill you know someone that gets 
300 or more will reach a point of crisis, you know, maybe a nervous breakdown or or really getting sick. You know, moderate, moderate amounts of stress are necessary to increase performance, but beyond a point, stress becomes a health hazard. Right. So, so what are the what are the the answers to stress? Well, we'll what are start, some things that we can do? Well, we what we can we can get proper sleep, right? That's right. Proper sleep. We can exercise. We can eat healthy food, and those are all things that that just initially can can make the situation better. To, to that get can the help boat headed in the right direction. To help us to handle the stress. A common treatment for stress and mood disorder is also called activity scheduling. It consists of developing a rigid timetable, that would stress me out, a rigid timetable <laughs> that contains pleasant and purposeful activities that will force a depressed person to organize, anticipate, and carry out events. Such a regimen helps a person fill time positively and avoid self-pity. Physical exercise often is included in the activities because it helps produce endorphins morphine-like natural chemicals that enhance mood and at least temporarily relieves depression. Yeah, because see, in the world of stress, there are actually two types. One type is when you can do something about your situation, and the other type is when you can't do anything about your situation. Investigators now distinguish between the two. Passive stress, which would be something like watching a scary movie where you just sit there and quiver and stress out, but there's nothing you can do about it. And active stress, in other words, trying to meet a deadline or being engaged in the stressful activity to accomplish things. According to where one, you, I guess probably where you have influence, where you have direct influence where, over the situation. Over the situation, right. you, you may or may not think you're in control of it, right. but at least you you're a part of you're that process. Part of the process, mm-hmm. right? According to one report, uh, active stress boosts the immune system. Believe it or not, in other words, if you're engaged in this in uh, some of this active stress, it will actually be beneficial. And and that's why work is good for us, staying busy is good for us, and being involved in things that cause us to think and cause us to react and cause us to perform and cause us to get the best out of us possibly without getting overstressed out. Right. You see, and 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 when this active stress boosts the immune system, it, it increases the ability to fight off infections and things like that. So active stress is actually okay. The researchers have evaluated 30 male volunteers who were exposed in two different types of stressful situations. I would have kind of liked to have been around and seen this, but an active stressful event where the volunteers were asked, asked to memorize information and take a 12-minute test and a passive stressful event, now get this, where volunteers watched a 12-minute video of a gruesome surgical procedure. And so you can see the different stress. I would rather study and take a test rather than watch somebody get cut open. Now, during the experiment, each participant gave saliva samples that were analyzed for immune system components known as secretory proteins. These proteins help to protect the lining of organs such as the lungs and the stomach to guard against the invasion of bacteria and viruses. While the levels of these proteins increased during active stress, the immune response dropped during passive stress. So if there's something you if there's something going on you can't do anything about and you stress over it, mm-hmm. you are going to lower your immune so you're going to get sick. Right. 
And we, we make ourselves sick over it. We even can feel the immediate results. We get sick to our stomach. We get the jitters. We have all kinds of physiological responses because of we stress over things that are out of our control. Correct. It's not healthy. Now, what if you had a whole bunch of people to help, though? And if you have the and you have the rem, you know you have the remedy for them, and they need help. You just need to find the time to help them. Do you think we can classify that as active stress? Okay, mm-hmm. bringing relief to others might be a bit stressful, but it's a good kind of stress. That's right. In the Bible, in Acts chapter ten, verse thirty-eight, it says, "You know about Jesus of Nazareth and how God poured out on him the Holy Spirit and power." He went everywhere doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus' style fundamentally was selfless. He utilized all of his energy to serve others, to bring them relief through his kind words and healing power. Jesus never used his divine powers to benefit himself. This must have made such an impression on Peter that his description of the Savior was of someone who went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. See, so he was on his mission, and he went about doing good and stayed busy. And, you know, with the battle with the devil, there there had to be some active stress going on. Oh, yeah. You know, but it was a good kind of stress. You know, because he focused on others, he got outside of himself, his mission was others, but he had something to accomplish, and he prayed for those people, and I don't know how it worked, but I'm sure God gave him a specific mission every day to go reach this person and that Mm -hmm. person, and he had something to do, and he did it. Right. Focusing on others rather than oneself is a good way to remove personal pressure. People who engage in voluntary work and community projects report a greater feeling of well-being and satisfaction than people who don't. In Galatians 6.2, it says, Help carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will obey the law of Christ. You know, Susan, I remember when you got clean and sober right after. Was your life still a mess? Yes. I mean, you, it was, you just didn't do drugs. Right. But, but, you know, your life was pretty much a mess, right? Mm-hmm. Were you? St- I remember you were stressed out over everything. Mm-hmm. You cried all the time. You were feeling emotions that you had never felt before, and it was difficult. Mm-hmm. What pulled you out of it? Well, I think we both came to the to the same conclusion, probably just about at the same time, is that um, in my life I had taken, no matter you know, throughout my life I had taken from everybody, whether it had been employers or my family or or whoever it was, society in general. Take. Take, 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 take. That's what my life was about. And I, we, I finally came to the conclusion that I needed to start giving back. I had to start being productive and doing things for other people and not looking at myself so much. And so what I did was, and I don't know even know how I found this place, but it's an organization called Ride to Walk, and it's um, horseback riding therapy for neurologically handicapped kids. And I became a volunteer there, and I helped Um, children who had neurological disabilities to exercise on horseback riding. It's the movement of the horse that helps them to to have better awareness of their body. And and these kids were were really damaged. And I came to the realization, man, I'm so worried about myself and what's right for me and what's wrong for me. And I looked and I thought, you know, here are these parents and these children and, and they give everything 
you know, these parents are giving everything for their children to, to help them to get better. And you know what? I don't have it nearly as bad as I thought I did. And you got involved in helping and got outside of yourself. And these children and the families, they became my focal point instead of myself. Exactly. Helping them. And I looked forward to it. I think I did it twice a week and I would go and it would be the highlight of my week. Just couldn't wait to see and to be a part of, of something where I was finally giving to something else. So giving in, instead of taking right. is a solution for stress who would have thought Um, now let's look for a moment at one of the ways that Jesus and his disciples managed stress mark 630 says the apostles turned and met with Jesus and told him they had they they told him all they had done and taught there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat so he said to them let's go off by ourselves to some place where we will be alone and you can rest So they started out in a boat by themselves to a lonely place. Many people, however, saw them leave and knew at once who they were. So they went out from all the towns and ran ahead by land and arrived at the place ahead of Jesus and his disciples. When Jesus got out of the boat, he saw this large crowd and his heart was filled with pity for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When it was getting late, his disciples came to him and said, It is already very late, and this is a lonely place. Send the people away and let them go to the nearby farms and villages in order to buy themselves something to eat. You yourselves give them something to eat, Jesus answered. They asked, Do you want us to go and spend 200 silver coins on bread in order to feed them? So Jesus asked them, How much bread do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they told him five loaves and also two fishes. There's a great lesson here. Jesus says, you know, we're all tired, but we'll get re-energized if we help these people, if we feed these people. Now, I know we can't go around and perform miracles to feed people like Jesus did, but who is the bread of life? Jesus is. So, I mean, can't we give them Jesus? That's right. That's not expensive at all. See, so the lesson here is Jesus, of course, being the bread of life, feeding people with Christ, turning them to Christ, get outside yourself and help someone else by showing them Christ. And that gets us out of stressful situations. You know, one morning in February in 2004, I'll never forget it because we, you know, you go up and down in your Christian walk and we had been clean and sober, I don't know, eight years, Mm -hmm. but it had not been easy. And one day Susan comes around the corner and she says, you know what, I wanna start a ministry. So, okay, what kind of ministry? She says, a testimony ministry. A testimony ministry. I had to let that sink in a little bit. What will we do in this testimony ministry? And she says, we're going to go tell our story. We're going to give people Jesus. We're going to tell people what God has done for us. That's all we're going to do. And it'll be a good ministry. And we thought about it and we said, you know what? That's true. Jesus is the bread of life. Let's feed people the bread of life. That's all they have to hear. They, If we can tell them what God has done for us, and God can do it for you. Right, and I think last program is where we talked about anxiety and about hope, and, and people need hope, and that's that's the one thing, especially people who have who are struggling themselves or who have family members or friends who are who are addicts. They need to have hope, and people would look at us and they would say, "You were you were that." You know, they look at our pictures from our past and they are amazed, as are we, that that um, God is full of hope and and desires for all of us to have that that's right and you know what it's because somebody fed us christ correct it it just keeps working and working and working 
And so we have found that if, and I found for myself, if I start sinking in depression or getting stressed out, it's usually because I'm not helping someone else. And I'm caught up in my own stuff and I'm wallowing in my own stuff. And uh, we got to take the focus off self. Number one, our focus needs to be on Jesus and we need to have help other people get their focus there as well. Yeah. Um, you know, a, another great place to be fed is, and, and it's a radio program that Susan and I volunteer. Uh, it's and another one. It's a program here on KFIA and it's on Sunday nights and it's Bible Answers Live. And so uh, we've been volunteering in that program for about 10 years. And it's, it's a blessing. People call in from all over the world. And uh, it's so, you know, if you're stressed out and you're heading the wrong direction, maybe you need to volunteer somewhere. Maybe get out of self and, and get into helping someone that, that maybe needs, that has it worse off than you. Yeah. See, if you go to work as Christ asks his disciples to do and win souls for him, you will feel and realize a deeper experience, a less stressful experience. You'll acquire a greater knowledge in divine things, and you'll hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's that's how it works. I mean, it's that simple. You you know, you'll end up finding yourself pleading with God, and your faith will be strengthened, and your very being will be strengthened. Encountering opposition and trials will drive you to the Bible and prayer. You'll grow in grace and in knowledge of, of Christ, and you'll develop a rich experience. And this all happens in just presenting Christ to people. That's right. In Philippians 2.3, it says, do, not, do, we, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that's what he means. You know, it's, all, it's also important, especially during times of despair and stress, to cling to the memories of how God has worked in your life in the past. Why would that be so? Well, because I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the craziness of the day that we forget all, the, all how God has delivered us. And, and, you know, sometimes that darkness comes in and, and blocks out the many things that God has done for us. Sure. I mean, you think of the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And I mean, they were boxed in. And what happened? They went through the Red Sea, right? And the problem with them as they wandered in the wilderness was they constantly forgot that Red Sea experience. Right. That was a magnificent thing that happened. Right. God showed them what he is willing to do and can do for them. And they forgot that experience. Do you have a Red Sea experience? Do you have... I look at several... Red Sea experience markers in my life. And if I look back with an honest mind and an honest heart and realize what God has done for me in those experiences, I mean, I could choose to sweep them, you know, I want to feel sorry for myself and forget about it. But no, look back in your life realistically and remember your Red Sea experiences and don't forget them because sometimes they are what will get you through. Um, and also, of course, we, we're running out of time here, but we wanted to talk a little bit about prayer before we close because, uh, and if we don't have much it's time. It's an essential it element an to essential. your Because I don't know what the deal is about, about prayer. It seems like the only time we pray sometimes is when we get into a pickle, mm -hmm. you know, or somebody else is in a pickle. But I think God wants us to be his friend, his companion, his trusted um, servant, if you will, and 
that means constant communication. You know, right. Susan and I in our relationship communicate constantly with one another. And um, that's very important. Constant communication is very important. Right. And prayer works this way. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Remember, prayer doesn't bring God down to us, but it brings us up to him. That's right. You know, does God always answer prayer the way we want? No. But is it always the right answer? Yes. See, we have to trust him that even though the prayer is not answered the way that we want, or this, cause, the you know, timing can the be timing. Wrong. I mean, you know, we'll have it all. Okay, if, if this happens, that means God means God answers my prayer. Answered mm-hmm. my prayer. You know, you can't give him criteria for answering the prayer. The best thing to do is trust in him that he knows best, and that whatever the outcome is, you trust in him that that is the answer to the prayer. And that's very helpful to me because we can set ourselves up for failure if God doesn't answer things the way that we want them to be answered. And that's a very scary place to be, isn't it? So as we close here, once again, we would like you to remember that there is a difference between having emotions and your emotions having you. And remember, folks, you do have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity, overrun with the devastation of addiction and unmanaged emotions. Rich and Susan are living testimonials, and they've created this seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction and unmanaged emotions, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to www.justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.